Good to see everybody. We're continuing our reading of the Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita from the Adi Lila. We're on chapter two already. Shete Govinda Sakchat Chaitanya Gosai Jiva Nistarita Aiche Dayalu Aru Nai. That Govinda personally appears as Chaitanya Gosai. No other Lord is as merciful in delivering the fallen souls. Purport. Having described Govinda in terms of his Brahman and Paramatma features, now the author of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita advances his argument to prove that Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the identical personality. The same Lord Sri Krishna in the garb of a devotee of Sri Krishna descended to this mortal world to reclaim the fallen human beings who had misunderstood the personality of Godhead even after the explanation of the Bhagavad Gita. In the Bhagavad Gita, the personality of Godhead Sri Krishna directly instructed that the Supreme is a person, that the impersonal Brahman is his glowing effulgence, and that the Paramatma is his partial representation. All men were therefore advised to follow the path of Sri Krishna, leaving aside all mundane isms. Offenders misunderstood this instruction, however, because of their poor fund of knowledge. Thus, by his causeless, unlimited mercy, Sri Krishna came again as Chaitanya Gosai. The author of Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita most emphatically stresses that Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Sri Krishna himself. He is not an expansion of the Prakash or Vilas forms of Sri Krishna. He is the Swayam Rupa, Govinda, apart from the relevant scriptural evidence forwarded by Srila Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami, there are, new, there are innumerable other scriptural, scriptural statements regarding Lord Chaitanya's being the Supreme Lord himself. The following examples may be cited. One from the Chaitanya Upanishad, Gorasarva Mamaha Purusho Mamaha Yogi Tri Gunatita Sattvarupo Bhaktim Loke Kashyati Lord Gora, who is the all-pervading supersoul, the Supreme Personality of God, it appears as a great saint and powerful mystic who is above the three modes of nature and is the emblem of transcendental activity. He disseminates the cult of devotion throughout the world. Two, from the Shvetashvatara Upanishad, 6, 7, and 3, 12. Tamishvaranam paramam maheshvaram tamdevatanam paramam chadaivatam patim patinam paramam parastad vidamadevam bhuvanesham idyam. O Supreme Lord, you are the Supreme Maheshvara, the worshipable deity of all the demigods and the Supreme Lord of all lords. You are the controller of all controllers. The personality of Godhead, the Lord of everything worshipable. Mahan Prabhur Vai Purusha Satvasyaisha Pravartaka Su Nirmalam Imam Praptim Ishano Jyotir Avyaya. The Supreme Personality of Godhead is Mahaprabhu, who disseminates transcendental enlightenment. 
Just to be in touch with him is to be in contact with the indestructible Brahma Jyoti. Three, from the Mundaka Upanishad 3.1.3, Yada Pasya Pashyate Rukmavarnam Kartaram Yisham Purusham Brahmayonim. One who sees that golden color, per, colored personality of Godhead, the Supreme Lord, the Supreme Actor, who is the source of the Supreme Brahman, is liberated. From Srimad Bhagavatam 11, 533 through 30 and 34 and 7.9.38. Deyam Sada Paripavagnam We offer our respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of him the Lord upon whom one should always meditate. He destroys insults to his devotees. He removes the distresses of his devotees and satisfies their desires. He, the abode of all holy places and the shelter of all sages, is worshipable by Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma. He is the boat of the demigods for crossing the ocean of birth and death. We offer our respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of the Lord, upon whom one should always meditate. He left his householder life, leaving aside his eternal consort, whom even the denizens of heaven adore. He went into the forest to deliver the fallen souls who are put into illusion by the material energy. Prahlad said, Itam ritir yagrishi deva jashavatarar lokan vibhava sihamsi jagat pratipan dharmam mahapurushupas yugana vrittam chanakalau yadabhavas triyugotasatvam my Lord, you kill all the enemies of the world in your multifarious incarnations in the families of men, animals, demigods, rishis, aquatics, and so on. Thus you eliminate, illuminate the worlds with transcendental knowledge. In the age of Kali, O Mahapurusha, you sometimes appear in a covered incarnation. Therefore, you are known as Tri Yuga, one who appears only in three Yugas. From the Krishna Yamala, Tantra, Punya Shetre Navadvipe Bhavishyami Shachisuta. I shall appear in the holy land of Navadvip as the son of Shachi Devi. From the Vayu Purana, Kalo Sankirtanarambe Bhavishyami Shachisuta. In the age of Kali, when the Sankirtan movement is inaugurated, I shall descend as the son of Shachi Devi. From the Brahma Yamala Tantra, Atabaham. Sometimes I personally appear on the face of the world in the garb of a devotee. Specifically, I appear as the son of Shachi in Kali Yuga to start the Sankirtan movement. From the Ananta Samhita, Ya Eva Bhagavan Krishna Radhika Pranabalava Shrishya Dao Sa Jagannato Gora Asin Maheshwari. The Supreme Person, Sri Krishna Himself, who is the life 
of Sri Radharani and is the Lord of the universe in creation, maintenance, and annihilation, appears as Gora, O Maheshwari. Hare Krishna. Lots of pramanam from various places speaking about Mahaprabhu. Text 23. Para Yomite Vaishya Narayana Nam Shad Aishvarya Purno Laki Kanta Bhagavan. Lord Narayan, who dominates the transcendental world, is full in six opulences. He is the personality of Godhead, the Lord of the Goddess of Fortune. Veda, Bhagavata, Upanishad, Agama, Purna Tattva Jare, Kahe Nahi Jar Sam. When, uh, the personality of Godhead is he who is described as the absolute whole in the Vedas, Bhagavatam, Upanishads, and other transcendental literatures. No one is equal to him. Purport, there are innumerable authoritative statements in the Vedas regarding the personal feature of the absolute truth. Some of them are as follows from the Rik Samhita. Tad Vishnu Paramam Param Sadapashanti Suryaha Divivachakshuratatam. The personality of God at Vishnu is the absolute truth, whose lotus feet all the demigods are eager to see. Like the sun god, he pervades everything by the rays of his energy. He appears impersonal to imperfect eyes. Two, from the Narayana Vatara Shira Upanishad, Narayana Eva Samut Pratyante Narayana Pravartante Narayane Praliyante Atanityo Narayana Narayana Evedam Sarvam Yadbhutam Yachchabhavyam Shudho Deva Eko Narayano Nadvitiyosti Kushchit. It is from Narayan only that everything is generated, by him only that everything is maintained, and in him only that everything is annihilated. Therefore, Narayana is eternally existing. Everything that exists now or will be created in the future is nothing but Narayana, who is the unadulterated deity. There is only Narayana and nothing else. Three, from Narayana Upanishad, Yata Prasuta Jagata Prasuti, Narayana is the source from whom all the universes emanate. Four, from the Hayashirsha Pancharatra, Paramatma Harir Deva, Hari is the Supreme Lord. From Srimad Bhagavatam 11.3, 34 35, Narayana, Pitanasya, Vishtam Arhata No Vaktum Yuyamhi Brahma Vitamaha. O best of the Brahmanas, please tell us the position of Narayana, who is also known as Brahman and Paramatma. Stityud Pava Pralaya Hetur Ahetur Rasya Yat Swapnajagara Shup Shup Tishu Sadbahisha Dehendriyasu Hrdayani Charanti Yena Sanjivitani Tud Ivehi Param Narendra. O King, know him who is causeless and yet is the cause of creation, maintenance, and annihilation. He exists in the three states of consciousness, namely waking, dreaming, and deep sleep, as well as beyond them. He enlivens the body, the senses, the breath of life, and the heart. 
and thus they move, know him to be the supreme. Bhakti yogi bhakta pai jahar darshana surya yena savigraha deki deva gano. Through their service, devotees see that supreme personality, that personality of God, just as the denizens of heaven see the personality of the sun. Purport, the Supreme Personality of God has its eternal form which cannot be seen by material eyes or mental speculation. Only by transcendental devotional service can one understand the transcendental form of the Lord. The comparison is made here to the qualifications for viewing the personal features of the Sun God. The Sun God is a person who, although not visible to our eyes, is seen from the higher planets by the demigods, whose eyes are suitable for seeing through the glaring sunshine that surrounds him. Every planet has its own atmosphere according to the influence of the arrangement of material nature. It is therefore necessary to have a particular type of bodily construction to reach a particular planet. The inhabitants of earth may be able to reach the moon, but the inhabitants of heaven can reach even the fiery sphere called the sun. What is impossible for man on earth is easy for the demigods in heaven because of their different bodies. Similarly, to see the Supreme Lord, one must have the spiritual eyes of devotional service. The personality of God it is unapproachable by those who are habituated to speculation about the absolute truth in terms of experimental scientific thought without reference to the transcendental vibration. The ascending approach to the absolute truth ends in the realization of, wait for it, impersonal Brahman, and the localized Paramatma, but not the supreme transcendental personality. And let's just see if we have any uh, questions. There's a power phrase from Mayank. Thanks, Mayank. Let's see what we got here. He, he appears impersonal to imperfect eyes. That's tr that is correct. In another place, Prabhupada says, Krishna doesn't have the imperfection of impersonalism. In him. He's a perfectly whole person. Thank you for this. Okay, hold on. Uh, this is from Sri Kumar. Good to hear from you. Thank you for this amazing pramanam about Lord Chaitanya that we read today. This is just great. Wondering how most of India does not know about Lord Chaitanya. Almost every other avatar is kind of known, either as God or demigod. How did it come to be that Lord Chaitanya's incarnation remained hidden? I am asking this from personal side as well as before coming to Krishna consciousness. I hadn't heard about Lord Chaitanya. Thank you for considering the question. He's the Chana avatar. We just heard the verse from Prahlad Maharaj that he's the Chana Kalau. In the age of Kali, he's Chana. He's covered over. And one of the reasons, actually, is that in the age of Kali Yuga, uh, he, he came as a covered incarnation specifically so that people wouldn't try to imitate him as God because then they would become more covered by the modes of nature because people's tendency in the age of Kali is to, to, Kali is to imitate the incarnations and, and try to claim that they're God. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu specifically came as the Chana avatar specifically so that he could do his Acharya Leela 
and uh, teach people by example. Of course, he only appeared 500 years ago, and the Krishna consciousness movement has really just been uh, spreading since the time of Bhaktivinoda Thakur. So that's that's the point. Vijay Damodar Prabhu says he destroys insults to his devotees. Yes, that's from the verse. Paribhava means the the insults of material nature, uh, the soul that has nothing to do with the gross or subtle body, is in uh, in distress because of the nature of the body and and mind, which is always changing. And it's an embarrassing situation to be connected with such low energy. I mean, if you're a exalted personality and then somebody catches you walking in the wrong part of town, you'll have some explaining to do. So the little jiva is part of Krishna, part of the spiritual world. We've got a little explaining to do what we're doing down here. Um, er. And it's embarrassing. It's an embarrassment to be connected with the with the material energy. In fact, in the um, in the Bhagavatam, Prabhupada says at eight three thirteen. If you look at eight three thirteen, these are prayers by Gajendra. And in the prayers, if you go down in the purport a little further. And even further than that, Sar, there you go. Sarva yoni shukante ya murtaya sambhavantiya tasam brahma mahadyoni ahambija pradapita. It should be understood that all living entities and all species of life of Sanakunti are made possible by birth in this material nature, and that I am the seed giving father. Plants, trees, insects, aquatics, demigods, birds, beasts and all other living entities are sons or parts and parcels of the Supreme Lord. Here it is. But because they are struggling with different mentalities, they have been given different types of bodies. Manakshastanindriyani prakriti stani karshati. Thus they have become sons of prakriti, or material nature, which is impregnated by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. There was some motorcycle gang. I forget what they were called, sons of something. You know the motorcycle gangs here in America? Like Hell's Angels, and stuff. They, they drive a big motorcycle. It's bigger than the Enfield 500 in India, and uh, the Harley Davidson. And then they have uh, these jackets, and on the back they'll have an emblem that says which motorcycle group they're from, and they're, they're hooligans. They they cause havoc wherever they wherever they go. Sons of silence. What's it called? Sons of silence. Sons of silence. Yeah, that's what it says on the. You found it online. Yeah, it's a, it's designated as an outlaw motorcycle gang. Hey, there you go, sons of silence. So now, all the living entities become sons of prakriti. You get your little leather jacket on with little uh, sons of prakriti on the back, <laughs> emblem on the back. And go riding around in different kinds of bodies here in the material world, thinking I'm really cool. 
but actually we're just hooligans. So deyam sada paribhavagnam. So paribhava, this nonsense, this embarrassing nonsense, paribhava, gum means to destroy. It's destroyed by uh, Lord Chaitanya's association. You could just say, I'm with him. I jo- I'm quitting the gang. I'm joining Lord Chaitanya. That's it. And now uh, the insult of being one of the sons of Prakriti is over by Lord Chaitanya's mercy. And then we have a Sukeshri who gave Deyam Sada. Thank you. Says Shiva Vrinchi that Shiva and Brahma pray to him such wonderful verses talk about Krishna being the supreme. So it's not only in Krishna Lila where we have uh, Shiva and um, Brahma worshiping Krishna, but they also come, Brahma as Thakur Haridas in Chaitanya Lila and, and uh, Vishnu as, um, and excuse me, in Shiva as uh, Advaita Acharya. So they worship uh, Lord Chaitanya there. And the, the idea there is Shiva Vrinchi Nutam Sharanyam. Uh, if Lord Shiva and Lord Brahma are worshiping Lord Chaitanya, then why, why wouldn't we? That's what Karabhajana Muni is saying in that verse. Deyam sada paribhavagnam abhishta doham tirtaspadam shiva varinchi nutam sharanyam. They're sharanyam, they're surrendering, and they're the maintainers of the universe and the destroyers, and they're surrendering to Krishna. So if everyone thinks it's a good idea to surrender to Lord Krishna, then go down to the bottom of your screen with reactions and give me a thumbs up. Come on, work with me now. Bottom of the screen, it says reaction. It's got a little clown down there. Plus, there you go. You're in. That's all it takes. Is that so hard? <laughs> That's not very hard. Okay. Um, Tadieshwara Das Prabhu, thank you for coming. Uh, Shiva Purana says that Lord Shiva is supreme. Vishnu Purana says Lord Vishnu is supreme. Bhagavat Purana says that Lord Krishna is supreme. This is bewildering to most of the Hindus. Some of them, that's why we're not Hindus. Some of them are not ready to accept Krishna as the Supreme. Some people aren't ready to accept anybody as Supreme. So um, that's the, uh, that's why Krishna's, this, the gold standard is the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna sorts everything out there in the Gita. And in the Gita, he explains that yo yo yam yam tanum bhaktam shradi archanamitati tasya tasya chalam shadham tameva viridham yaham. Uh, you, you, even if you do worship other gods, I'm the one that's giving you the faith. You're able to keep your faith steady. Sharaya yuktas tasya ardhanamihate labate chatata mayaiva vihitan hitan. Here we go, seventh uh, chapter. You'll find it in uh, starting with text number 20. Kamais tais ter shritta jnana prapajante devata tamtanya mamastaya prakritanya tasvaya. Those whose intelligence has been stolen by material desires surrender unto demigods and follow the particular rules and regulations of worship according to their own natures. I am in everyone's heart as a super soul. As soon as one desires to worship some demigod, I make his face steady so that he can devote himself to that particular deity. Endowed with such a faith, he endeavors to worship a particular demigod and obtains his desires. 
but in actuality these benefits are bestowed by me alone. Men of small intelligence worship the demigods and their fruits are limited and temporary. Those who worship demigods go to the planets of the demigods, but my devotees ultimately reach my supreme planet. So in the uh, corpus of all the Vedic uh, literatures and Puranas and so forth, there's a purpose in each section. And one of the ways in which the Vedas keep people engaged is to appeal to people in various modes of material nature who have a predisposition to worshiping in a particular mode and therefore various deities are mentioned uh, because if one starts the Vedic process through some kind of worship of demigods and gets the f desires fulfilled then he or she will develop faith in the in the process of Shastra rather than just being engaged in vikarma, and by that gradually one can become elevated to the mode of goodness and then uh, from that from rajas tamayiti prakritir gunas tire the the highest is the mode of goodness and one can attain the benefits of all uh, worship by worshiping Lord Vishnu who's above the modes of nature altogether Gandharvika gives uh, Vasudeva Paraveda. Vasudeva, the, uh, the supreme position of Narayan, is also mentioned in this verse. Vasudeva Paraveda, Vasudeva Paramaka, Vasudeva Parayoga, Vasudeva Parakriya. Vasudeva Param Gyanam, Vasudeva Param Tapa, Vasudeva Parodharmo, Vasudeva Paragati. Uh, that's a power phrase, <laughs> for sure. Okay, Balaram, question. It's mentioned in the, that Sri Chaitanya is a hidden incarnation, but is there a specific reason why he's hidden? Did I answer your question earlier? He came, to, uh, two reasons I gave. One reason Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur mentions is that people in the age of Kali Yuga are, are apt to imitate incarnations and therefore he didn't that is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu didn't tempt them from showing his godhood although he did to a certain select number of people and also he came for Acharya Lila to show people the path of how to follow what he had spoken in the Bhagavad Gita because as Prabhupada mentioned earlier Krishna had said I am God surrender to me and who was able to do it so when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu comes back it's like when the teacher takes the hand of the student and says, here's how to write A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then if you think, oh, the, the teacher is actually just a teacher um, or, or he's learning his ABCs, then that's a mistake. Actually, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming as a devotee because out of compassion, he's teaching everyone how to follow the process of devotional service by showing, him, by showing that path himself. Demigods can see Kautukarnava, the servant of the source of all entertainment, is saying demigods can see the personality of sun god because their eyes are suitable for seeing through glaring sunshine. They have a bodily construction to reach the sun. Similarly, devotees can see the Supreme Lord with spiritual eyes 
of devotional service and enter the spiritual world after receiving spiritual bodies. Very good. Hansapriya is writing about the Hells Angels, Bike, Hells Angels Biker Club. And we just got out of a gang called the Sons of Prakriti. Okay, let's see. What else do you have from the Zoom room? Any? Hare Krishna. Yes? Hare Krishna. Mine to you. Uh, I have some more evidences. Uh, if you would like, uh, I can read it. Of course. Uh, this is Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, as delineated in the Vedas, Samhitas, and Puranas. The first evidence is from Devi Puran. The Lord will again appear in the world. His name will be Sri Krishna Chaitanya and he will spread the chanting of the Lord's holy name. Second evidence is from Garun Puran. The Supreme Lord who enjoyed pastimes with the gopis, who day and night filled the people of Vrindavan with happiness, who killed the demon Kansa, and who in the war with the Kauravas befriended the Pandavas, will once again, will once again appear on the earth. Of this, there is no doubt. His arm will be decorated with a bamboo danda or a staff, staff. He will be a sannyasi and his name will be Chaitanya. Next evidence is from Padampuran. In the first Sandhya of Kaliva, I shall appear on the earth at a beautiful place beside Ganga's shore. I will appear as the son of Sachi Devi and my complexion will be golden. Next is from Narad Puran. O Brahman, in Kaliva, I will appear disguised, disguised as a devotee of Lord, and I will deliver the worlds. Next evidence is from Bhavishya Puran. O says, whose wealth is austerity, in Kaliva, everyone will see me as a sannyasi, whose form is filled with bliss, with hairs standing on end in ecstasy. Next is from Skandapuran. Outwardly of golden complexion, but blackest on the inside, I will take my birth in the womb of in the womb of Sachi Devi, accompanied by my uh, condensial associates and weapons. I shall assume the form of a human being. Next evidence is from Ananta Samhita. Those who are illusioned by my bewildering potency will not understand the great secret of my appearance in the world in my personal form, in my form as the incarnation of a devotee, with the name of a devotee and the giver of devotional service. The secret is not to be revealed to them, only the saintly, pure, renounced devotees, diligently engaged in my devotional service, will be able to understand me in these forms. Next evidence is from Srimad Bhagavatam 7938. Because in Kaliva you appear as a covered incarnation, you are known as Tri Yoga or he who appears in three yogas. Next evidence is from Adi Purana and Narad Purana. With my true identity always concealed, 
I will assume the form of a Brahmana devotee of the Lord. And in this form, I shall deliver the worlds. Next evidence is from Garun Puran again. To deliver the conditioned souls burning in Kalyuga, in the first Sandhya of the age, the Lord will assume a golden form. First, he will be the husband of Lakshmi, and then he will be a sannyasi at Jagannath Puri. Next, from Srimad Bhagavatam 11.5.32. In Kaliva, intelligent persons will perform the congregational chanting of the holy names of the Lord. Although his complexion is not blackest, he is nonetheless Sri Krishna himself. He will be accompanied by his confidential associates and weapons. Next, from Atharva Veda. The Supreme Lord said, when between four and five thousand years of Kaliva have passed, I shall descend upon the earth at a place that is near the shore of the Ganga. I will be a tall, saintly Brahman devotee and will have a golden complexion. I will be free from all desire and will accept the order of renunciation, sannyas. I will be advanced in Bhakti Yoga and I will chant continuously the holy names of the Lord. Only the devotees will understand me. Next evidence is from Samveda. The Supreme Lord said, to deliver the people devoured uh, by the sins of Kalyuga, I will descend accompanied by my associates to a place along the shore of the Ganga. I will be a Brahmana Sanyasi, an Avadhuta or mystic. Again and again, I will chant the holy names of the Lord. And the last evidence here given Krishna from Krishna Upanishad. In Kaliva, Lord Krishna will appear in the family of Brahmanas. He will teach the message of the Upanishads and the Dharma Shastras. He will defeat atheists and offenders and he will establish the truth about Vaishnava Dharma. Thank you, Prabhu. Hare Krishna. And from the Mahabharata, which describes Krishna coming in golden form as a sannyasi, Suvarna Varnahe Mango Varnanga Shanjanangadi Sanyasya Krishna Shanto Nishta Shanti Parayanaha. From those who know the Sri Vishnu Sahasranam Stotram. Thank you very much, Prabhu, for the extra special pramanam about Lord Chaitanya being the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And now uh, <clears throat> a few other points. And one is that in 8.3.19, this is still in Gajendra's prayers. Gajendra says, after worshiping the Supreme Personality of God, those who are interested in the four principles of religion economic development, sense gratification, and liberation attain from him what they desire. What then is to be said of other benedictions? Indeed, sometimes the Lord gives a spiritual body to such ambitious worshipers. May that Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is unlimitedly merciful, bestow upon me the benediction of liberation from this present danger and from the materialistic way of life. Purport, some men think this material world 
Some men within this material world are akami, free from material desire. Some are ambitious to get more and more profit. And some desire fulfillment in religious life, economic development, sense gratification, and finally liberation. Akama sarvakamo va mokshakama udara di tivrena bhakti yogena yajeta purusham param. It is recommended that whatever one's position, whether one demands no material profit, all material profit, or ultimately liberation, one should offer his obedient devotional service to the Lord. And one will get what he desires. Krishna is so kind. The Lord reciprocates. I'd like you to play, pay particular attention to the next sentence because it's the next point I would like us to discuss. Whatever even an ordinary living entity wants, Krishna gives. Krishna is sit situated in everyone's heart and he gives that which is desired by the living entity. Ishvara sarvabhutanam hridya sharjanatishtiti brahmayan sarvabhutani yantrarudani mayaya. The Supreme Lord is situated in everyone's heart, O Arjuna, and is directing the wanderings of all living entities who are seated as on a machine made of the material energy. The Lord gives everyone an opportunity to fulfill his ambitions. Even a devotee, even such a devotee as Dhruva Maharaj wanted the material benediction of a kingdom greater than his father, and although he received a spiritual body, he also got the kingdom. For the Supreme Personality of God, it does not disappoint anyone who takes shelter of his lotus feet. Therefore, since Gajendra, king of the elephants, had surrendered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead to get free from the present danger and, indirectly, from the present danger of materialistic life, why should the Supreme Personality of Godhead not fulfill his desire? So coming back to the sentence that I wanted to focus on, which is that whatever an, even an ordinary living entity wants, Krishna gives. So the point here is that we will get a different result if we change our desire. And the process of refining oneself in bhakti yoga means to become clear about what one should desire and to direct one's desires in the proper direction. The point one's desires in the proper direction, rather. So if you don't like what you're getting, then change your desire. If you don't like where you are in your life, change your desire and make it a much better desire. The Acharyas have shown us what to desire. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for instance, speaks about focusing on chanting Hare Krishna and becoming a servant of Krishna. Ainanna tanuja kinkaram patitamam bishame bambudav. That uh, I just want to be a particle of dust at your lotus feet. And if I desire something else, then Krishna fulfills it. So whose fault is it if I attain a particular situation in this world? Krishna is like a desire tree, Prahlad Maharaj says. The desire tree doesn't consider the lower or the higher, but fulfills everyone's desire according to their 
particular status in life and he doesn't consider. So we have to take the responsibility to refine our desires. Let's hear any uh, comments or reflections about that. Comments, questions, or, or reflections. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Bo Bali Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yeah, I think the important part of the establishing the evidence and understanding the result means how many people in the world can we can say that, okay, by reading Karud Puran, they became devotee of Chaitanya, or by reading the one portion of Atharvet, they became a devotee. Because ultimately, 99.99 is Lord Chaitanya's mercy. He transformed them to a devotee. The evidence is for us, means to deepen our faith and understanding for preaching to some intellectual. But ultimately, he resides in the you know, mercy of the Lord. That's my point. So I just wanted to bring an insight that all depends on the mercy Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Because when he went to, to South India, just about by seeing him, thousands and millions of people followed him. Only one instance you can see in Kurmakshetra, that how Mother Sita then he got it, or a Brahma Samhita, two, three books. There are, but other than that, his mercy and glance is very, very important. That's what I wanted to mention. Uh, thank you, Bali Prabhu. Danavari is saying I, she likes the point about how even Lord Shiva who is highly elevated, doesn't have to take birth. If he's worshiping Lord Krishna and Rama, then why should, why can't we accept? Yes. Go ahead, Sukeshri. I thought you were going to say something. Hare Krishna, had that, you had that look. Hare Krishna. I was just, uh, this idea of desire, I was, I've been meditating on the past day or so since our Japa circle yesterday, our Sankalpa, I really, really liked to develop an eagerness to chant without offense. And I was just thinking if we can just desire that, everything else becomes so superfluous. And it's, that's, that's really what's worth going after is that eagerness to chant without offense. So I was just reflecting on that, that Japa circle Sankalpa in relationship to what you said. Yes, these types of intentions are very powerful. If one is eager to be sincere, it's a sign that one's already sincere. If one's eager to chant without offense, it means that one's already on the path of clearing offenses. And cultivating such ambitions, and that is to actually be pure and to worship Krishna with great enthusiasm, is already doing so. So these are the subtleties of life that real happiness comes from aligning yourself properly with devotional desires. Otherwise, everything in the material world is a waste of time. I was thinking about this term. I don't know if you've ever heard it before. Has anybody ever heard of the term clickbait? I'll write it. Click bait. Who's heard of it? It's, it's something, if you look it up on Wikipedia, maybe you'll give a definition. But what clickbait is, is when you, 
on the internet or social media anywhere, people put up things just to get you to click on it. And once you get in there, you know, they take your information and then, you know, next thing you know, you, you know, you can't get rid of them. And, um, or, not or, and you also get entangled going down that rabbit hole. So there's something in there, catches your attention, takes you away. Did anybody find it on the internet, uh, looking up a definition? Oh, yes, Maharaj. Clickbait is, a form, clickbait is a form of false advertisement. It uses hyperlink text or a thumbnail link that is designed to attract attention and to entice users to follow that link and read, view, or listen to the linked piece of online content with a defining characteristic of being deceptive, typically sensationalized or misleading. Could you put it in our ISV library under analogy or something like that? Okay, well, thank you. That sets up the the point I'm going to make in that this, I was thinking after I read the definition of clickbait and thought of the concept, how so, everything's there on the internet where you click it and you get caught, or especially when it's false advertising because they just want you to click there. So the whole material world's clickbait. You look out there and you think, oh, there's, this looks nice. Take clickbait and you're stuck, <laughs> you're stuck with it. So this is uh, the problem. I, I keep clicking on the wrong things and I get entangled by them. And then my uh, information gets out there. It keeps following me. That's karma. I contact it and now I got to live with it. So yogis are really careful about not clicking on everything because they know it's a fake out. I mean, you don't click on everything on the internet because you know once you click on it, just clickbait is going to catch you and some, somebody's going to follow up forever with where you clicked. So Maya is like that too. You click, you think no big deal, but then the next thing you know, you've got some application that's stuck to your computer. So we, yes, go ahead, Sukeshri. I was thinking that it's the same like the mind. <laughs> Like a mind will put you, uh, give you a thought that uh, may not be Krishna conscious. And then if you uh, go over it and, you know, give into importance to it and attend to it, uh, it, it, it just goes on in cycles and take you so far away from where you really didn't want to go. So I was just trying to think about that. And I, that was my comment. And I had a question. I was thinking that as Prabhu asked about um, uh, offense. So what is the exact offense? I think I was just remembering two offenses. One is, of course, no offending devotees. Another one is paying attention to chanting when we do chanting. So um, can you please um, clear on what exactly we're talking about chanting without offenses? First is don't blaspheme devotees. Be careful uh, when you're dealing with devotees and when you're speaking out devotees and especially when you're writing about them on the internet because that's eternal. Once you put something on the internet, you can't take it back. And if you run for office 20 years later, they're going to bring it back up again and say, see, you're a real jerk. So number one, don't blaspheme devotees. Make it your career to avoid blaspheming devotees. And if somebody else is doing it, walk away. The second offense is consider the names of demigods like Lord Shiva to equal to or independent than the, of the names of Lord Vishnu. So yastu narayanam devam brahma rudradi daivate. There's a... Uh, a way in which 
if somebody thinks that samatvenaina vikshita sapashandi bhavedruvam, it's a fixed principle that if you say samatvena, they're all the same. You hear this a lot. For people that are Hindus and don't read the Bhagavad Gita, they say, oh, Krishna, Brahma, Shiva, everybody, all demigods are the same, all worshipable. So you forgot to read the main book. It's the book that all the Acharyas comment on. It's the one that's been preserved perfectly. It's the words of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And if you consider all the demigods and Krishna to be the same, the name of Krishna, like you see people do kirtan nowadays and they sing about Durga, Shiva, this one, that one, and it's all the same. Krishna, we'll throw in a little Krishna with it. Krishna is a thing, they think. But actually, if you understand Bhagavad Gita, you know that Krishna is the thing. So if you make that mistake, that's an offense. The third is disobey the order of the spiritual master or consider the spiritual master an ordinary person. So someone may think, well, I see the spiritual master eating, I see the spiritual master bathing, doing this and that, so we're just the same. But the Shastra says, no, the spiritual master is a representative of Sri Hari. And so if I consider that, or I disobey the orders of the spiritual master, I think I'll act independently or whimsically. That's an offense. The fourth offense is the blaspheme of the Vedic literatures, or literatures in pursuance of the Vedic version. These are transcendental literatures that are reaching out to us to save us from the material world. And if we blaspheme them, blaspheme, then uh, that's an offense. Fifth offense is consider the glories of chanting Hare Krishna to be imaginary. So there may be statements here and there that uh, promise all kinds of uh, wonderful material benefits and then you start thinking, well, the holy name is kind of, it's like an imaginary thing. And it's actually this idea about how great it is, is just really some hype. That's an offense. Sixth offense is, uh, let's see, fifth offense, consider the glories of chanting Hare Krishna be imagination. Sixth offense is give some mundane interpretation on the holy name of the Lord. Uh, when one great devotee was, uh, learning from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he made a proposal that uh, about the holy name. And he was asking Mahaprabhu, you know, what are the different meanings of the holy name? And, he, and Mahaprabhu said very simply, I, I only know that uh, Krishna is the son of Yashoda and uh, he's Shamasundar. And the, the person said, well, we shouldn't chant the holy name because he's the, the pati and you shouldn't say the name of your pati. And Mahaprabhu then replied, he said, well, if the pati tells you to chant, say the name, then you're supposed to say it. And he told us to chant. So all these interpretations that one tries to make about the holy name is an offense. The seventh events commit sinful activities on the strength of chanting the holy name. It means that you understand that by chanting Hare Krishna, you become free from sinful reactions and therefore you make this calculation that I'll just keep sinning and then I'll chant and it'll make up for it so that way I, I won't have to suffer. That's a big offense. The eighth offense is to consider the Karmakanda section of the Vedas. 
to be equal to chanting the holy name of the Lord. Karmakanda is for those who are still engaged in the three modes of material nature. Chanting Hare Krishna is a completely transcendental activity. It has nothing to do with the modes, and that's an offense to equate the two. Ninth offense is to preach the glories of the holy name to faithless people. So the, the power and the glory of the holy name is not understood by everyone immediately, or if they're completely against Krishna consciousness, then it's an offense to keep bringing it up to them and try to f force it upon them. And the tenth offense is to not have complete faith in the chanting of the holy name and to maintain material attachments even after understanding so many instructions on the matter. So maintenance takes a little work, doesn't it? Like, if, does anybody have any plants? If you don't take care of them, they die, right? come back what happened to you oh yeah I forgot to maintain it if you want to keep something you have to maintain it so anartas if you'll notice there's a willfulness to keep to keep them as I want to keep it it's just like when you have junk in your house and you think well if I give this broken typewriter away then I mean someday somebody might fix it and actually it might be worth a million dollars I don't know Actually, I'll just keep it in the closet here, along with all the other junk I have. And you never let go of anything because you think, I have to keep it. So there's some willfulness that I'm holding on to material desires and I'm, I'm not making the ultimate choice that I'm going to surrender to Krishna, and that's an offense. And the offense that uh, is called the root offense of all the others is to be inattentive while chanting. And it means that you're not that interested. In fact, whenever I'm sitting with Nirkula, like having lunch, if she looks up at the clock right next to us, I always get irritated because I, like, do you have somewhere else to go? <laughs> no, I was just, you know, a perfectly um, legitimate reason she's looking probably to do, help me in some way. But then I'll think, like, where are you going? And my friend Keshav Barney Marsh. He always had a habit. I think he's broken the habit when he talks to me now, but he always looked at his watch. And I was like, okay, I got to go. Because you just looked at your watch. And we get in an argument. He said, no, no. I was like, why do you always do that? And I say, why do you always do that? And so this breaking your attention away from the person you're supposed to be intimately connecting with at a particular time, is uh, it's noticeable even in common relationships what to speak of with krishna the supreme personality of god who so kindly appeared in his name so the one thing that we can do to amend the other offenses is to really pay attention when we're chanting it's very important Thank you. yes Guruj, um i noticed that sometimes when we uh when we're afraid or we're in a situation where we're a little bit of a shock or something we start to chant. It just comes naturally. Like, you know, you're starting, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. It's not like you're expecting Krishna to come up here and Narshima will turn up, but it calms you down and it's your comfort zone. The mantra sometimes becomes your comfort zone. So is that an offense? Is it okay to chant like that? Look at Bhagavatam, first canto, first chapter, 14th verse. I just read it this morning. Apana samsritim gauran yam nama vivashogranan 
tatasadyo vimuchetaya bipeti swayam bayam. So this comes at the beginning of the Bhagavatam. Apna, being entangled, samsritim in the hurdle of birth and death. I mean, that's not good. The hurdle of birth and death. That's downright scary. Goram, too complicated. Yat, what? Nama, the absolute name. Vivashaha, unconsciously. Grunan, chanting. Tata, from that. Sadya, at once. Famucheta gets freedom. Yat, that which. Bibeti, fears. Swayam, personally. Bhayam. Swayam bhayam, fear itself. So living beings who are entangled in the complicated meshes of birth and death can be freed immediately by even unconsciously chanting the holy name of Krishna, which is feared by fear personified. Here's your purport, right for you. Vasudev, or Lord Krishna, the absolute personality of God, it is the supreme controller of everything. Good to know. There is no one in creation who is not afraid of the rage of the Almighty. Great Asuras like Ravana, Hiranyakashipu, Kamsa, and others who were very powerful living entities were all killed by the personality of Godhead. And the Almighty Vasudev has empowered his name with the powers of his personal self. Everything is related to him and everything has its identity in him. It is stated herein that the name of Krishna is feared even by fear personified. This indicates that the name of Krishna is not different from Krishna. Therefore, the name of Krishna is as powerful as Lord Krishna himself. There's no difference at all. Anyone, therefore, can take advantage of the holy names of Lord Sri Krishna, even in the midst of the greatest dangers. The transcendental name of Krishna, even though uttered unconsciously or by force of circumstances, can help one obtain freedom from the hurt. Hurdle of birth and death. Look at the sixth canto. Go to the sixth canto, second chapter. Falling off a roof. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Or if you talk to, if you if you spend time with Dhamma Ravamsidari, if anything happens out of the ordinary, oh Jagannath! He's always ready. So in this chapter, two, we find the all important verse at number ten, two ten, please. This is an important verse, very important. Look at the uh, translation. The chanting of the holy name of Lord Krishna is the best process of atonement for a thief of gold or other valuables, for a drunkard, for one who betrays a friend or relative, for one who kills a brahmana, or for one who indulges in sex with the wife of his guru or another superior. It is also the best method of atonement for one who murders women the king or his father, for one who slaughters cows, and for all other sinful men. Simply by chanting the holy name of Lord Vishnu, such sinful persons may attract the attention of the Supreme Lord, who therefore considers, because this man has chanted my holy name, my duty is to give him all protection. Now you might think, where's the purport? 
It's at the end of the chapter. Go all the way to the end, Balaram. It's such an uh, important verse, Prabhupada put it. This is, I think there's only one other place in the Bhagavatam. I know he did this because Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur gives an enormous purport to this verse. It's very important. So at the very end of this chapter, you'll find that there is Nagar Kirtan, are you still on the on the call, or did you drop off? Yeah, there it is. I'm sorry, maybe you're already there all the time. You'll find this supplementary note to this chapter. So this is Srila Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur's commentary for verses, uh, uh, text number 9 and 10 from this chapter. And uh, therein, he goes into more detail about your question. Okay? There you have it. Now, I just want to bring your attention to a couple more points. What is the implication of our desires and our state of mind? If you'll go to Bhagavad Gita, 8th chapter, 3rd verse, you'll find the power phrase of all power phrases, and I hope it ends up in, in the... Uh, library here in just a minute if you scroll down a few sentences we'll find here the most useful definition no no too far first paragraph you'll find the most def, most useful definition of karma in my op humble opinion anywhere in Prabhupada's books i'll read the whole pur purport brahman is indestructible and eternally existing and its constitution is not changed at any time. But beyond Brahman, there's Parabrahman. Brahman refers to the living entity, and Parabrahman refers to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The constitutional position of the living entity is different from the position he takes in the material world. The constitutional position of the living entity is different from the position he takes in the material world. When he's in the material world, what's he called? Son of Prakriti. He's part of the gang. The hooligans walking around here with their little jackets on. In material consciousness, his nature is to try to be the Lord of matter. But in spiritual consciousness, Krishna consciousness, his position is to serve the Supreme. The living, when the living entity is in material consciousness, he has to take on various bodies in the material world. Has to. Forced to. No choice. Now here's the sentence, the power sentence. Are you ready? I'm not convinced. I need a thumbs up or I'm not reading it. Ready. David Vrat is ready. Okay, there's a couple of thumbs up. Okay, there's extra ones. All right. Ready. Here it is. Are you ready? Okay, I hope so. That is called karma or varied creation by the force of material consciousness. Prabhupada's masterful wordsmithing and the way he puts things is so perfectly situated so that we can understand what to do and what not to do. That is called karma. 
Karma is that which causes us to take on different bodies by the force of varied consciousness. You get various bodies because of the force of varied consciousness. That Those variations are from the three modes of material nature. So what should one do? Let's look at uh, the solution on ba Bhagavad Gita 14.25 in the purport. 14.25. This purport is so instructive. Here in this verse, Lord Krishna is talking about the symptoms of somebody, the symptoms of one who's no longer affected by the three modes of material nature. And in the purport, Prabhupada writes, But as long, you're almost there. Yeah, there you are. But as long as he is not out of the material body, he should be neutral. So uh, the sentence before says, when he is actually out of the body, then he is out of the clutches of the material modes of nature. But as long as he is not out of the body, he should be neutral. So what should you be? Neutral. Yes, neutral. And if you go a little further, uh, <clears throat> Prabhupada writes, the qualities of the material modes in the body will act, but as spirit soul, the self is aloof from such activities. How does he become aloof? He does not desire to enjoy the body, nor does he desire to get out of it. He does not desire to enjoy the body, nor does he desire to get out of it. That's a, a further explanation of what neutral means or being aloof. Again, I'll repeat, he does not desire to enjoy the body, nor does he desire to get out of it. So this is a person who has no more affection for the three modes of material nature. Yes, that's uh, possible. And how? If you continuously perform devotional service, you'll rise above the most material nature. You'll have a taste for spiritual activities and no more affection for the three modes of material nature. So let's and take any last comments or so questions. I was, Hare Krishna Prabhu Dandavats, I was just thinking that uh, based on the point that you just said now, in 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, in the last five verses, Krishna is saying how he likes a person who's, who has equanimity. So unless we develop this divine quality that you just mentioned, it's impossible to, be, uh, to be, have the equanimity and be dear to Krishna. Yes. Uh, is that understanding right? Correct. These are the qualities Krishna appreciates. So you can please Krishna. It's an the imperishable path to devotional service, one of the aspects of that is to be tolerant and to remain neutral. Don't freak out. You know, it's everything's going to be okay. You just keep chanting Hare Krishna. In fact, we read that the other day. It's a, I think Bob Marley stole that from his song. Every little thing is going to be all right if you just chant Hare Krishna. And so that's the solution to remaining neutral is to stay in your identity as a, as a spirit soul, 
I don't have anything to do with this body. And actually, I read about it today when I was doing research for my book, really interesting point. There was a famous singing uh, a duo named Jan and Dean way before your time. And uh, they sang surfer music, which was popular, believe it or not, in the end of the 60s. And uh, listen up, kids. <laughs> so Jan and Dean got really famous really fast. And um, the, the, the singer Jan became really, both of them became wealthy. He bought a really fast car called a um, <clears throat> Corvette. And he was driving at an out, outrageously fast speed and he slammed in the back of a truck and he, and he uh, got almost, he was almost killed. He was in a coma for two months. And then uh, he came out of the coma and, but he couldn't remember who he was. And he couldn't remember anything with to speak of how to sing or do anything. And in the course of his therapy, trying to bring him back, they played one of his songs from Jan and Dean. And then he started to remember everything. <laughs> he started yeah. remembering who he was. And, and we we're in uh, researching about the word evoke. It comes from Sanskrit, vacha or vak evoke. It means uh, from sound, something comes out. You pull things out from sound and you can evoke your original memory of who you are by sound. And by, by transcendental sound, actually, I was thinking about this principle. There are certain songs that I, when I hear them, I know exactly where I was when I heard that song. And... Um, there were songs that came, maybe I won't bore you with all the details of which songs they were, but I, I can remember, you know, what the temperature was, who I was standing next to when I heard it, you know, what the circumstances were. Everything is there clear in my mind when I hear the song because it takes me to that place. So the same principle is there, how to rise above the modes of material nature. If you evoke your spiritual nature by singing the transcendental mantra, especially if it's to some beautiful music, kirtan, then it reminds us we have amnesia. So just like Jan, he remembered his original uh, position. When we hear the right sound vibration, Prabhupada says in his album about the holy name that it's not an artificial imposition on the mind. You actually remember who you are, where you were, and uh, what your relationship is with Krishna. And you re remember that this whole material world is a colossal hoax. And, you, and there's no more, you don't want to interact with it anymore. Just, it'll stay aloof. So we have to take shelter of the holy name, Hare Krishna. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Subhagi Radha, good, good to see you. And uh, Hare Krishna Nanta, thanks for joining in. Did we, did we, were we able to keep Nagar Kirtan or did, did he, he escaped, I think. I got him on here earlier though. It's probably late, he's on the East Coast. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hare Krishna. Not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman, hey, not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman. Not to the Armarman, not to the Armarman.